And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Is there a regime that maybe to an outside observer would seem safe or seems like they can play this thing on their timeline, but in actuality is under a little bit more pressure than we're thinking about right now? Absolutely. Dallas, Mike McCarthy, okay? Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury. I, let me put it to you this way. Take every single team that has a good quarterback, right? Like, a, a let's say a top 12-ish quarterback. Any team that's got a top 12 quarterback um, that struggles next year, take Sean Payton, stick him at the top of the list. Because, <laughs> like, I if, I if I'm anybody in the NFL, I'm, I'm pissing down my leg about Sean Payton. Because I'm like, this guy is going to be – every owner is going to sit there and go, we got our quarterback. What the hell? Why can't this guy get it done with our quarterback? I mean – it's a, it was funny because like McCarthy at one point was saying it's a different deal here. You know, how do you, you just kind of have to deal with this stuff? I'm like, this is crazy. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Indeed. All right, we are live from the Indianapolis Combine. Father John Mishota and myself are here. And uh, we've got some Aja to break down. John was stalking Stephen Jones at his hotel. I was not stalking like, him. Oh, we'll get into that. And he had some things to say. We'll get into that. And also, John had some things to say to Mike McCarthy. <laughs> and um, we'll break down those comments as well. But we're joined, of course, by the host with the most from back in Texas here on About Them Cowboys, Kevin K.T. Turner from the Bit and Skin Show. What's up, K.T.? Oh, not much. I'm I'm a little jealous of you guys. I've only got to go to one combine in my time, but I always liked it. It was fun. Or it's the week that I went, it was very fun. Um, how is it for you guys out there so far? It's been good, man. It's kind of tiring, but it's good stuff. I mean, we had Mike McCarthy yesterday, and so he talked on the podium. And then after that, uh, a group of us went out to lunch with him. And so we talked to him on the record for about a half hour, but then there was like another, man, probably over an hour of off the record stuff. And like I've said on here before, man, like he is so good off the record. Like the stuff he talks about is it's just fantastic. Like stuff that I, I understand why he wouldn't say it on the podium, but it just gives you a better understanding of, of who he is. And um, let's just say that he's, he would be a guy that you'd want to go get a beer with because... Uh, yeah, you know, you know what it is. I think for me is I I sometimes forget that, you know, it's not just he was just not the Packers coach and then came to be the Cowboys. I mean, he's spent a lot of time, whether it be in Kansas City or in New Orleans, and he has so many connections to so many different people. And just when he starts telling NFL stories, like there's a lot of good stuff there. But um, so yeah, you can hate on his clock management. I get it. You know, I do too. But when you sit down with him, he is he's a lot different guy than you see at the podium. We'll put it to you that way. Yeah, so it feels like a week where the Cowboys. I mean, obviously it's it's tradition. They all most of the the guys speak. It feels like more of maybe of a tightrope walking this week. I don't know uh, about for Mike, but for Stephen and Jerry, it is just given the big 
ESPN story about the scandal and the fact that there are NDAs involved is a little bit more of a tightrope. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like when, when Jerry did the event uh, for cancer research and Meredith Land obviously got a question or two in about that. I don't know if that was uh, – I don't know if that helps things for, for Steven because Steven was going to get asked about that either way. And then that's basically, you know, Stephen had to Here's what no happened. comment the thing. Here's what happened. So. Stephen's getting these softball questions like, oh, what, you, you happy to be back at the Combine? And here comes John Machota <laughs> with the uh, the question. We'll, we'll play the audio here. So here we go. What was your reaction to the ESPN report about the 12 rich Melvin Bowl, the cheerleaders? Obviously, you mentioned in there. Just what were your thoughts about that? Uh, I think Jerry's addressed it, and I really don't have anything to add to what, what he said and what our statements have been. So here's John, a guy that knows Steve's <laughs> going to have no comment. Still, he you know, still have to ask. The team, yeah, still throwing that out there for you guys. And so I just want to give credit where credit's due. John was asking the tough questions. I'm, I just was kind of surprised. I thought that would be the first one asked, but, you know. I, I mean, eventually you're going to get to it. Right, I mean, all right, let's get down to business, folks. I mean, I give Stephen credit for taking questions. There's a lot. I mean, it's not <laughs> the competition committee is not just Stephen Jones. There's other coaches, other general managers that are there, and believe me, like they just walk away from the media like that, like like it's a fan asking for an autograph, and they're and they're too busy. So Stephen yeah. always stops, and so I give him credit for that. Um, but yeah, it makes sense why Jerry would would do that interview with Meredith on that Friday. Gets the news out end of the week, gets asked the one question, he can address it, and then you move on. Um, Has Jerry oh, ever been more relieved that Dale Hansen is is retired right now? Or, you know, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I mean he's going to be asked about it. You know, this be, week. Yeah, I mean, it's not like true. well, there's less people to rail on him for it, I guess. Than maybe yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, yeah, I can't uh, out there aren't uh, on the, quite on the air as much, you know. So yeah, maybe we're taking it easy on him, yeah, so, so to speak. And I, think but like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're right, but I think, I think like most Cowboys fans care more about, you know, what's going to happen with Amari Cooper or Demarcus Lawrence, you know, and, you know, it's like, it is kind of more the media types. It seems like we're more fascinated with the story. Well, it is a big and, story. And it is a big story. No, there's there's no denying that it's a big story. Um, but I think like that's where almost, it's where a little, it's not usually with football stuff, and things go bad, you could get railed on by the media and the fans. And it's almost like just kind of taking it from the media to which I mean, there's a lot of fans and maybe, and maybe fans should care or maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. But a lot of fans are just kind of like, okay, whatever. Here's another classic Cowboys story. I think that's the thing about the stories. The story really like, it might have like the characters involved maybe or whatever, but like, oh, and more Cowboys chaos behind the scenes, stuff that is not relevant to football. Yeah. Them paying people off. Yeah, and by paying people off, I mean an NDA and a settlement. Clearly, uh, John's question I mean. was there. John's question was, "What was your reaction?" Well, his reaction was like, "What the, what the hell?" I mean, he was, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's what the thing. No, his reaction was, "Holy, what?" That's the thing is that it's not like it just involves the cheerleaders or the NDAs or the two point four million dollars settlement. There's also, you know, Charlotte Jones is is in the report as well. You know, and so. Sure. Uh, inappropriate, you know, alleged inappropriate behavior there. So it goes deeper than, uh, you know, cheerleaders. Obviously, that's the that's the biggest part of the story. That's the that's the reason that the story was written. But um, there's a, there's a lot there. So I just felt like you know they're going to have to talk at least respond to yeah. to a question. And there was a follow up too. You know, yeah. about the culture of the 
organization. And True. Uh, Steven said that he thinks it's solid. And I'm sure he said it that way because he didn't want to sit there and say it's great when you have something like this come out. So he just basically said that it's, there's always areas where they can get better, but he thinks it's solid right now. Are, are we expecting the Jerry Bus interview to happen? We, we are. This week? We are. It sounds like either Thursday or Friday. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, I mean, I could see Jerry answering in a, in a similar type way, but, you know, Jerry just doesn't talk like any other human being I've ever heard talk. So you just, you know, the way he answers <laughs> questions, I mean, seriously, that's the best way I can describe it. The way he answers questions is like no one else. And so you just, who knows, you know, he his way of saying no comment is a lot what different than anybody year, else's. John, we were in the bus and he started going on the tangent about how Maker's Mark is, how they make bourbon or something. Well, yeah, he was saying that because they made <laughs> like a special like a twenty-minute yeah. thing about how how it's brewed, like the process of it and stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm interested. <laughs> I cut there was the entire thing out because, like, this is just irrelevant. Yeah, there was the last CBA was the first time I remember going on the bus, and he had like notes, like he had like typed out notes well, that he would look say, down okay, to to make yeah. sure he had like a talking point. So I'm interested to see if he's like that about this or if he just does no comment. But. um yeah, I don't know. There's, you know, and and outside of that, no rich. It, I mean, that'll be a ma- that'll be a major topic. But there's tons of other football topics. Even though I will say, I don't think they're as interesting as in past years. You know, you don't have a quarterback that has a big contract mm-hmm. uh, that they have to figure out. Um, you know, there's going to be questions about Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence. But you know, that stuff I feel like we've all talked about. I wrote today like a notebook and and included all the stuff that they said about that. But like. Yeah, I mean, we kind of know where that's that appears to be headed. It just there isn't a lot of like, and they have the twenty fourth pick. It's not like they have a top ten pick. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of changes. A lot of people thought there were going to be significant changes to the coaching staff. That didn't happen. Uh, so, in a way, they're trying to run it back in their own way, but they're not running it back like the Rams are run, are, are going to try and run it back. You know, let's um let's get to some cuts here because we're in the very relevant territory. Yes. what John's talking about. Yeah, he yes. Here's Steven talk about the roster here. Feel confident with how much you liked your roster this past year that you guys can have this good roster? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously we'll have to make some tough decisions. And, I mean, all the players that we have up for contract, we'd like to keep them all. But, uh, you know, the salary cap's a real thing. And certainly as uh, we move forward and you have a quarterback and every team experiences that has a franchise quarterback that they now paid him their second contract and, you know, we just have to make some decisions and uh, some tough ones. But I think the ones, you know, unfortunately, if we, we lose some a couple of good players and hopefully we'll continue to do a good job uh, with our drafting process and then look for value in free agency so we can draft uh, the way we've historically drafted, which is not on a need basis, but on a, you know, best player available basis. Do you expect, do you expect Murray Cooper to be on the roster in 2022? It's too early for me to uh, – address that yet i mean we're continuing to have conversations uh, a lot of things affect affect that in terms of uh you know we've obviously been so fortunate to have you know those three great receivers on our roster and obviously that's hard to keep doing uh you know under a salary cap and certainly you know said did a really nice job for us and he's up so you know there's a lot of there's some moving parts to that that we'll have to continue to massage as we move forward all right, so when he's talking about their free agents, they're 21 unrestricted, they're all at different levels. Like, they're not going to come out here and say this, but, like, Dalton Schultz, the way he's played the last two years, he's priced them himself out of that their bracket. Like, I wouldn't – I'm I'm sitting next to Dane Brugler right here, and I'm just thinking, like, 
Um, if there was a legit tight end worth taking at 24, like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they'll do that, but it would be uh, under consideration. Like, they need to do something at tight end. Like, I don't know what they have in Blake Jarwin with the knee injury. Who knows what, what he's going to be? Uh, they're, they're just, I don't, I just don't, when I, when I, he says taking care of their own and paying their own, like, I just don't even put Dalton Schultz in there. I think of it's Randy Gregory because they hope that he can get somewhat of a team friendly deal. Um, J. Ron Curse, Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup, if he's healthy all season, he's right in the Dalton Schultz category too, where he's not in consideration, but it's because he got hurt. Uh, there's a chance that he starts this season, upcoming season, on the pup list. So obviously, if you're a team that's going out there trying to sign a, a wide receiver like that, how much are you going to spend on a guy that you don't know 100% where he's coming back from uh, with that knee injury? So that could help out the Cowboys there. Dorrance Armstrong is someone I think that they're seriously considering. Um, but now when you there's a lot of pieces that have to be moved because if you do Dorrance Armstrong or Randy Gregory, I don't see how you're keeping Demarcus Lawrence. That I just don't I don't I don't know that that's even possible. And then when he mentions a guy like Cedric Wilson, what would you do? Oh, I'm, you I'm take Dorrance and my number Randy one or D Law. My number one, if it was me, number one mm-hmm. entire off season thing. D Law. I'm Demarcus Lawrence is not going anywhere. Yeah, that's me personally. Same. I think Same. you can find other wide receivers. Um, I think that. Well, I like Randy Gregory. You know, Bob Bob Stern wrote a, a good piece about, I don't know if it was a full piece, but it might've been just us talking about it, but he, he had mentioned this about the Randy Gregory thing. Like up until this point, Randy Gregory has always been like a guy that you're hoping for a lot. And if he produces great, when you pay him, then he's got to be, and if you're paying him and you don't have DeMarcus Lawrence, he has to be an, an outstanding right edge rusher. You know what I'm saying? Like he has to be on that level. Whereas like with Lawrence, I understand where the contract's at and things like that, but like to me, I'm doing everything but I can to try and keep Lawrence. Level if you get if you get Armstrong too, that doesn't you know, do a lot like a for two me. For one, maybe that doesn't. I mean, go ahead. My, my, I could be wrong here, but I, I feel like they, while they wouldn't make it a thing, I feel like they do have this thing where they can go. Well, whatever happens, we do have this idea that Micah Parsons can play a little bit of edge to help us out there. And I, that's I know that's not what they like, want to do. And they I'm telling you, man. Have the time. Just from the last few days of being out here. He's doing the same thing he did last year. I'm telling you, they that's are what not going to. They is not going to be as much as fans talk about it. Micah Parsons is not going to be some full time edge rusher. The biggest reason why is because they don't want to line him up in one spot where the where the offense can just sit there and look at it and be like, oh, he's over there. Oh, he's over there. They want him moving around all the time. He is not going to be just an every down edge rusher. It's just not happening. Or do you feel the same way if you lose Demarcus Lawrence to save eight million, and then it turns out that's not enough to keep Randy Gregory, and you lose both of them? Because then, because then maybe Michael Parsons, you need to do that. I, okay, like, so maybe he rushes a little bit more off the edge, but I know I got to go back and watch this, but I'm pretty sure almost half his sacks came from when he was playing at linebacker. I could be wrong, yeah, I, so I have to go I think, back. And I think you're right, dude. Like I almost felt like he was more effective. It just it was so shocking to see him so quickly make a difference at edge early in the season. But yeah. as the season went on, yeah, you're right. A lot of his differences were coming up the middle and things like that. If he couldn't, you know, at times drop into coverage and and have the speed and the athleticism that he does, I think that would it would be an easy decision for them to just be like, yeah, you're going to be our left defensive end. You're going to be our right defensive end. But because he can do all those other things, they're like, why are we going to just make him do this one thing? Why limit him? Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. I agree with do. you. 
And, and one thing I though I want to say, oh, and you know what, KT, it's not even about what we think. I'm just saying that this is what they think. This is what they're going to do with them. You know? Yeah, but it's also felt though. Just if you're just going by what they've said so far, I do get the the feeling that they are very, um, almost like almost like because Stevens like they're not going to go all in. Like Stevens going to take care of the cap and try to keep them competitive. The cap for, is real, for, KT. The cap, the cap is real. No cap. I've seen that. Is that um, talking about the cap? I don't think that's cap? what. I don't oh, think that's what they're talking about. Well, they're in Cap Hill. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Steven is not going to put them in a situation, though, where things are going to be bad. You know, like he's going to keep them like a, a chance to win three, four, five, six years down the road. Like he's going to keep okay, them. Well, and it's up to them to do that. But like he's not going to put them in a situation like they have actually been in in the past where they're like, oh, boy, we've pushed all these contracts back. Get, get, get ready for this question. By the way, you know, give credit where credit's due. John was just peppering the question. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, just throwing fastballs. I, I think he hit him with drunk. the curveball with this one. So there's nothing 
the Rams winning the Super Bowl doing it the way they did it? It changes your guys' perspective on any of that stuff? You know, there's a lot of different ways you know. to do things. And certainly, hats off to them. I mean, they had a hell of a year and won a Super Bowl. And uh, certainly, you know, they went about it in a way that's pushing a lot of chips out there. So, you know, there's you know. some forms of all of this, uh, you know, that we'll probably – uh, decide where we want to be. Uh, you know, feel like we've got a, a lot of good young players on this football team, and you you know don't want to just be starting over, uh, if you will. You know, if we yeah. did too much, because you can obviously you know we could do some things that would allow us to keep most of our guys if we wanted to push it all out, but then we'll have a much bigger problem. Uh, you know, next year and the year after that. Yeah, and um, here, I'll ask you this, KT. The reason I'm asking him that is because, and I asked a follow-up later on about, okay, let's go hypothetical here. Let's say you're the best Cowboys team since 1995. Right. I'm not even saying you win the Super Bowl. Let's say you get to the NFC Championship game. And along that way, one of the games, Demarcus Lawrence had two and a half sacks. Another game, they they beat the Rams because Amari Cooper had 150 yards and two touch. You're telling me that they're, I'm not saying that they would bring back everybody, but their tone would be a lot different than to go open up against the 49ers and lose at home. I don't care what they say. It would be a different factor. 49ers game, great example. Jimmy Garoppolo, all the guys we just talked about, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, Randy Gregory, Neville Gallimore. Those are your four horses up front. Not a sack. You're telling me if those those guys played the way, let's say, Jason Pierre-Paul and OCU and Yor and some of those guys when those Giants went on the run, you're telling me that they would not, this conversation wouldn't be a little bit different right now. No, no, you're, you're right. I think uh, Steven and Jerry, I think they kind of saw what the Rams did. I think they might be willing, a little more willing than okay. in previous years to like, let's push for this window. To but push if maximize yeah. this window now. But no one's asking about that if the Rams lose in the second round. You're asking about That's it true. because it worked for them. Right, exactly. And nobody would be talking about, hey, hey, Sean McVay, you guys going to run it back? And be like, we just got blown out in the second round. We're, we're going we're gonna to have to make some changes or whatever. I'm just saying if it, they were really knocking on the door of winning Super Bowl, the conversation would be different right yeah. now with the Cowboys. I feel like they, the but they weren't knocking feel like the they're knocking on the door of winning a Super Bowl. They, uh, no, they do. Because when I asked Steven that thing about, about what I just said, yeah. he just said, like, well, all those games were close in the playoffs. You yeah. know, we lost close late. You know, San Francisco lost close late. Look at the way the Super Bowl was and all that. And I'm just like... I don't know, man. Uh, if, the eye test to me, all, I don't feel like they were that as that close. Going all in, you know, getting a couple big name free agents, spending a little bit more. You know, you go for a Super Bowl. I don't think anybody's going to be pissed. Like, oh, the Cowboys are screwed for the next three years. They don't have two first round picks because they went yeah. all in and won the Super Bowl. Like, I, I don't think anyone. Would, it's been thirty freaking years. Like, do what you need it's to just do. A, you know, like uh, to a point, I could see think you could be safe, but to a point, I think also you can take some risks here and I think it's time to take some risks boys. You would think there would be a little more push from, uh, the actual GM, right? The guy with the title GM, just given his age and things like that. But you know, what? one thing I'll say, the Rams don't make that Super Bowl, even though they did it with Goff, until they got a miracle trade to get Matthew Stafford. Right. I mean, you look at the one thing that I say is in the Cowboys favor of just kind of looking around, maybe it's more of a reason to go for it too is, man, we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo last year. We're talking about Tom Brady retiring now. Like, it's pretty open in the NFC. We still don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. So maybe that is more of a reason to go for it in, well, in, a, in a way. And, and, and by go for it, it's just all these guys, things that we're talking about with the roster maybe being a little less talented next year. You know, uh, 
maybe just, maybe we don't have to do that. You know, it, it's I'm when we're sitting there at lunch and McCarthy's talking about a lot of different things. All I keep thinking about is how, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when they won the Super Bowl, didn't they trade? For Charles Woodson, didn't they trade for Julius Peppers? How did they acquire those those two guys, or were they free agent signings? Uh, Charles Woodson, I believe, was a trade. Was and you know, back okay. then, maybe they did know, sign Peppers. Uh, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because you know, you look at the way the Cowboys talk about doing their business as usual. Like, I feel like they're the light version of what the Packers are. Like the Packers, especially when Ted Thompson was there, like they didn't make a lot of big moves, things like that. But when they did win the Super Bowl, as great as Aaron Rodgers was. They're not winning the Super Bowl without Julius Peppers and Charles Woodson and guys mm-hmm. like that. They're not getting to that level, so you still have to make those moves along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so and they signed they clear- Woodson. Sorry. Okay. Like- so to clear clear something up though, real quick here, when he talks about not wanting to push it down, and you know, and being focused on twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, and things like that, twenty twenty five, they're not saying this specifically, but what they're talking about is Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs and cd lamb they want to be in a position that they'll be able to give all of those guys long-term contracts you know they're not going to mention those guys specifically but that's who they're talking about now with two of them being first round picks you will have the fifth year option obviously there are other things that factor in that but those are the three guys because throughout this last two days that's been a trend like talking about like well we just don't want to hurt ourselves in the future and i know people can look in and be like man you got these young guys around they're still on rookie contracts Dak sign what are you talking about looking in the future they're talking about eventually giving long-term deals to those three guys uh, and one more thing about like uh, how aggressive you would get. I mean, let's not act like the fan base um, and a lot of the media's reactions was like all 100% when the Cowboys give a first rounder for Amari Cooper. My recollection is that many people were like, what? A first right. for Amari Cooper? Why no, are you're right. Up our first round pick? That's what, that's what I'm saying. So, like, that's what it was. You can't have it both ways. Like, you either have to go, we're all in, or we have no draft picks. I literally would say this year, if you're losing Amari this year, if you're losing Demarcus Lawrence this year, you've got to replace the, that production somehow. Like, we had the horses last year, it felt like. Yeah, and, and so I don't... Like, we got What did they get out of that? Jonathan Abram? Cool. I'd do that trade 10 over 10 times, like over again, especially, yeah, and that's, totally. and that's today, that's today, let alone at that time when just how bad they were at receiver they were trying to roll out Alan Hearns and Deontay Thompson. <laughs> like we he can will. do this. I will say, thinking of that though, there are, there are some thoughts of that though, when they keep talking about how like, You're you know, like, starting, I don't know if we can keep star- Amari and the that, starters of Alan Hearns, T. Will and Beasley wasn't as good as the Amari, uh, CD lamb, uh, Michael Gallup. What if it's CD lamb? Cedric Wilson and Malik Turner until yeah, or somebody they draft in like the third round over. Oh, I don't know. Depends (laughs) on what CD is actually. Yeah. And and this, this goes back to like, how are you going to use Tony Pollard next year and things like that? Are you going to do everything you can do to, and and there are things you can do the draft too. You don't have to, I mean, you can take a wide receiver in the draft if you want to, if you want to There has been some talk. there, There has been some talk about having him, maybe get a little bit more time at, at, as a receiver like he did at Memphis. Now, b- believe what you want on that. I mean, I feel like we, I feel like for the last two off seasons, it's like, well, we're going to get Tony Pollard more involved. And then you're just like, then you watch the season. Now I will say that plantar fasciitis factored in. I don't think if he gets that, I, I don't think they dial him as back as much as they did during the back end of the season. If he was hundred percent healthy, you wouldn't have been able to keep him off the field. So that needs to factor in. Um, when it's just wild too, that he suffered that, or it escalated on that kickoff return. Cause when that kickoff return happened yeah. against the Raiders, that's when you were just kind of like, 
oh yeah, something yeah. something's about to happen here. Like this guy's reached another level, and then boom, on that play, that's when it hits. So, but if he's fully healthy, yeah, they, they have to. They'll. I believe that they'll finally get him more involved because they'll have to because there just aren't the other options. It's one thing when you have Ezekiel Elliott who's healthy, and then you have a Dalton Schultz and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and Ceedee Lamb. But when you're losing a lot of those guys. Uh, I think that you're almost going to be forced to get Tony Pollard more involved. You know, another thing, I'll say this real quick. I know we got some more audio to get to. Uh, the Dalton Schultz thing, who came up a little bit earlier in the podcast, he's on my list of guys I'm comfortable letting go. Because I think I think you can find, you're not replacing him immediately with a tight end. You'll probably keep Jarwin around, uh, not making very much money, right? You were very high on Jarwin the year the, the year they tore his ACL anyways. Well, if you're that high on him, then you still believe in him. He's not a great blocker and things like that. We know that. But I think Jarwin's a guy who I'm comfortable sitting in that tight end one spot for one year. If I, I just to. don't know if they feel as comfortable about that knee as you do. Yeah, so well, I don't know. I don't know that they're feeling that way. Yeah. Combine week is all about the medicals, John. I'm glad yeah. you said that. Uh, can't let's uh, get to. Well, don't forget they we got going? Dalton Schultz in like the third or fourth round. So. Fourth round, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, third or fourth round tight end. But then you had to wait two years until right. you started getting it. right productive. Yeah, it's right. I think we just called him out on the pod one time, and then he was immediately good. It was like weird. It was like hey. an overnight thing. This guy you know, was like Pro Bowl level. You know who I'd like them to go after if they if they could get him on like a bargain, like one year prove it deal to try and just see what he's got. I'd like them to go after OJ Howard. I don't know okay. what I don't know what he would get, yeah. but I, I would be like, let's kick the tires on this idea because I listened for Gronk. Right, and, and, and I understand that people will say, well, he didn't work out with Brady. Like, what do you want? Like, I don't know, man. I would just, that's the type of guy that if you can get a one-year deal, it's somewhat, mm-hmm. you know, he's trying to like, hey, I can be the number one here. They got all these other sure. weapons on offense. I'll go to Dallas for a let's year. Do, let's, let's let's go for it for one year. Um, so let's do this one. Let's do uh, Stephen Jones talking about his, his head coach. With coach McCarthy and where he is entering his third season, is it how tough a spot is it maybe – Externally, when Sean Payton rumors are going to be out there, Jerry said what he said about Dan Quinn. Is he facing an uphill climb? No, I don't think so. I just think, unfortunately, you know, when you're uh, when you're a coach, when you're a quarterback, a player for the Cowboys, uh, you know, you're going to get a lot of attention, and sometimes it's not all not going to all be positive. I mean, Jerry and I know that better than anybody. I mean, you're going to, you know, you're going to have people who. Are, you know, going to be your critics. People are going to, you know, step up and have question marks. But we feel good about Mike. Why is he still the right guy? Why is he? Well, I think uh, one we went, uh, you know, what did we go twelve and five? So you know, most people consider that a success. It's not around here because we want to win a championship or a playoff uh, game. I think oh, his that, uh, track record speaks he for himself. himself there. He's, he's won a, Super Bowls. That's he's success for championship us. games. We uh, championship. I love the way uh, his leadership style is. I think he's got a great pulse uh, for our football team and uh, just feel like he's the right guy for us. Do you want to see him more involved in the offense this year with Kellen than he has been his first couple of years? You know, I think he's more involved than you think he is. Let's start with that. Oh. And, but, no, I think he's going to, you know, knowing we need to take the next step, I think everybody's going to you know, turn it up another notch. Hey, that is the plan, though, is he is going to be spending more time with the offense. I don't know why – this all of a sudden is happening in year three, but that is that is the plan. I will say also, um, in the last whatever two and a half years that now he's been their coach, well, yeah, a little, I guess two years. Um, with Steven, I've never 
ever thought that he was even wavering on Mike McCarthy, even at the end of the season. That's true. It's Jerry's been the one that's yeah. put stuff out there. Steven is never like, that's his guy. He's the been all there. in, yeah. you know, KT, that, that clip that you, that you like to retweet of when he's going. <laughs> when he said he didn't read the, didn't watch the film. He's yeah. always been all in. So, yeah. um, don't say that in front of daddy. <laughs> so Don't good. say that in front of daddy. <laughs> uh, but no, so that's why it's interesting to hear him say all that stuff. And then, you know, we'll get Jerry later in the week. And it Jerry won't be like he was at the end of the season, though. At the end of the season, he was doing that on purpose. Like he wanted yes. he wanted Mike to feel the fire a little bit. He, uh, he was very calculated with that. I'll never believe that that was by accident. That was by design. And I don't believe that it was to keep <laughs> Dan Quinn like, as a defensive like coordinator. I the reaction either. from Steven wasn't like, I think it's bull crap that these are even storylines. It was just like, well, it is what it is. It comes with the territory, you know, deal, deal with the rumors. And that's kind of, you know, Sean Payton's going to be out there. And yeah, that's just kind of what it is. You know, he, it, he had another opportunity to shut it down even further. And he, in, I mean, he kind of did, but I just don't, I got a little nervous. Uh, we were 12 and five, but that wasn't good enough. Yeah, I just, he's I, still here, but I just yeah. don't like that narrative of the whole, like, well, we're trying to win a Super Bowl. We didn't win a Super Bowl this year. We were so close. and we, No, you weren't, though. Yes. That's my that's my yes. problem with it. It's like you couldn't – I understand everyone wants to say, like, you know, the 49ers weren't a great matchup for the Cowboys. You're right. They were not a great matchup in the first and second quarter. But when then you take Nick Bosa off the field and you take Fred Warner off the field and yep. it takes one touchdown drive when you have three, you have three minutes and three uh, timeouts to go, um, yeah, no, you, you're supposed to win that game. And so the whole like knocking on the door of the Super Bowl, like, like, I just, I don't know, like you're not the Bengals. Like, so that's why I, you know, the whole, like, we're going to, you know, a month later change this narrative, like, well, we didn't win the Super Bowl. So that's why people are upset, but we won 12 games. Like no one cares about the 12 games and winning that dumpster fire division and beating the bad teams along the back. I mean, I'm sorry. Like the games were played like you, Hey, are we talking too much about the 49ers game? How about we go back and look at the Arizona game? Uh, What did they do? What did they do in their back half of the season? Like anytime they yeah. played a good team, they were not uh they were not even close to being a team that you thought was going to win a Super Bowl. So to act like, well, we just didn't win a Super Bowl, so that's why people are being negative. No, it's because you didn't even look like you were close, and this is the best roster you've had maybe since 1995, yeah. and this is the healthiest you've been at the end of the season. For him to say it's not an uphill battle for McCarthy is just hundred percent. It is, yeah, it's just not true. It is, and uh, I know we played the clip off the top of the show. Charles Robinson was on with with Robert Mays saying, you know. The Sean Payton thing, not only for Dallas, for everybody, right. is a huge deal that this guy is out there. Every time it makes a mistake, who do you think is going to be popping Jerry's mind? Well, hold on. And then there's, who there's do you a, think it is? He's on. lying to himself. We're lying to each other if, it, if we're and then here, that this is not the case. And here's the other one. He is an elite game player. Sean Payton yes. loves to play the game on top of it. So he's going to continue to feed into that stuff. There isn't going to be the... No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Like you know how like the first year, maybe two of Tony calling games for CBS, there would be you know if Dak wasn't playing well or something happened, people would like you know oh what if Tony could come back? What if Tony? And he did a good job of kind of putting that away. Right, Sean Payton ain't putting anything away. Five, six, seven, eight years, nine years, ten years from now, he'll still be like, well, you never know, but I don't think so. I mean, I really <laughs> like the job I have right now. Yeah, and 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 he, that could be. Obviously, because of the ties and the relationships, like the Cowboys will come to the forefront. But there are like other teams like Arizona, Seattle, even San Francisco. You know, if they were to make a move, like Sean Payton's going to be getting buzz from a bunch totally. of teams. Yeah, it'll definitely be the Cowboys more than anyone. Sean uh, Payton loves the Cowboys, though. I, yeah. I talked to him no. here at the Combine a couple of years ago, to interview him for a documentary. And, you know, 
we had to walk probably 700 yards to get where, where we're going around here. And we're just talking, you know, about his, uh, you know, him coaching in high school because I uh, played against the high school that he coached at. So we're talking about that and stuff. And, I heard they made a and, movie about it. And they did. It stars oh. Kevin James. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, go on. The uh, noted, noted. Uh, Sean Payne lookalike. Thespian. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, so, Kevin J. And, um, but, I mean, we're talking about Jerry. We're talking about Parcells. I mean, and Peyton is smiling from ear to ear for an hour. And the Saints PR guy has to, like, beg him to leave. And he's starting to get annoyed. at Like, he's just laughing and remembering all the good time. Like, it was just a positive experience for, from, you know, from for the whole hour of him just thinking about Dallas and remembering those times, remembering Jerry and laughing at some of Jerry's stories. So, I mean, it, you can just see it in the back of his mind that that percolation is still there, that love and that admiration is still there. Well, it's like a Parcells thing. It's like if you admire the good person on the other end, you can work together with them if you respect what they do and what they're about. And I think uh, Peyton has that for Jerry. In a way, I think that not necessarily just Sean Payton, but whoever could be the potential future coach factors into these decisions they're making right now because you do not want to be handing over a coach, a roster of guys that you – you know, exercised all these options and all these contracts that you're stuck with. If you if you're going into next season with a new head coach, let's say it would hypothetically speaking would be a Sean Payton. He doesn't want to take over some roster that all of a sudden it's like he doesn't have anywhere to move. I mean, that's kind of where he was in New Orleans. Like he's going to want to have his options to be able to do what he wants. He want it's going to be more attractive that way if they don't have a bunch of these big contracts that they continue to restructure. And now you're locked into these guys for several years. And he's like, I don't want this roster. I'm not coaching this. And you're like, well, we tried to go all in and it didn't work out. And he's like, I don't care. That's not why I, I'm coming here to try and do my own thing. Yeah, you would have to hire him with the assumption that he's taking the roster. Kind of not going to blow the thing up. Yeah. yeah. He likes it. But if you keep restructuring these contracts, you're not going to even be able to blow it. You're stuck with what you have. There's only so much you can do to blow it up. It's as clear as the sky is blue that 2023's roster projects to be more talented than 2022's roster. Saying that before roster moves are made and before we know the fate of Demarcus Lawrence and Amari Cooper. But if you go out and you have two good drafts and then everyone continues to grow into their roles like we expect them to, then 2023's roster has a really good chance of being better than 2022. What the about only question? What about 2022, well, Casey? How, is 2022 going to be better in 2021? No. <laughs> I don't. I no. mean, I don't. I don't mean the season could be your window. Could be, but is your, there your another Mike Parsons at 24 they can find? Yeah, your roster is not. I mean, that you, unless you yeah hit gold in the in the draft again, but like right. your roster is likely not going to be better in 2022 than. And the, and the only the only thing that I think stops my comment about 2023's roster likely being more talented than 2022 is if you somehow fumble your construction of the offensive line. So I'm that's something that, that could throw things off yeah. there. Does I'm it make sure. you feel any better, though, that some of these one-year guys they hit on, like Curse? I thought Hooker and KZ, for what they paid them, solid. If Brent Urban doesn't get hurt, I think that that was solid for a one-year deal. Carlos Watkins... I don't it's know, Keanu Neal. Like, I thought that they had better success with that. I don't know if you can do that every single year, but does that change your, the way you feel about what they – because that's what they're going to be doing again this offseason. I, I have no problem with them doing that. As long as they're taking the draft seriously and drafting correctly and they're not letting coaches get in there and start starting making calls, you know, like they did in the past. I mean, when like, you, they've but got, when you say they've got what a good they, track record. I was going to say, when do you say what they've done in the first round these last two years is, is – the, probably the best thing that Mike McCarthy has done since he's been the head coach. 
Yeah, and I don't know if you if it's like I don't know if he gets credit for that or not. But sure, I'm okay with it. Yeah, what are they doing it for the most part? They hit on that first round. No, drafting CD Lamb or something. No, but I'm saying that like I think he does a good job of letting people do their jobs. There's something to be said for that, and I understand that the criticism too. You'd be like, "We're the Dallas Cowboys head coach. I don't care about how well you let other people do their job. You need to be the man or whatever, and you need to go into these rooms and say this is how it's going to be done and stuff." But like, but I think that that might be his greatest strength. Is he kind of like, "Hey, you know, like I'm not going to sit here and and come into the room and go, Will McClay." I'll tell you this right now. I know you like this TJ Watt guy, but I like Taco, so we're drafting Taco. He's not going to do something like that. I just I, I don't get the sense that he would do that sure. at all. I think he has as much input as any head coach has had for as long as Will McClay's been successful, which is probably yeah. you know that's why why Will McClay was doubled down on this past offseason is because he's probably going to have that still have that influence. Hey, um, you know what would be interesting though is you know who might have that type of power though is Dan Quinn. And the reason I say that is because uh, when you talk about Taco Charlton. Controversy? No, 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 no. But I'm talking about. No, 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 no. Not as a head coach. I'm talking about in the draft room. Because yeah, much yeah. like Rod Marinelli had, the had, you know, he wanted Taco Charlton. You know, he clearly wanted Tristan Hill. If you're sitting there and you're going into, let's say it's round one, you're about to go on the clock at 24. Let's say it's orphans. second round. Give me some orphans. No, 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 no. I don't think he wants orphans. I think he wants, like, if let's say, here's, a, here's an example. There are plenty of like holes to fill. Fill. No, no. There's plenty of holes to fill. I'll give you a perfect hypothetical. There's plenty of holes to fill in the offense. And there could be guys that are like, this is the best offensive player. But let's say Nicobe Dean falls to them or something like that. And Dan Quinn's like, oh my God, if you give me this guy, I can just take this defense to another level or something like that. Like, couldn't you see Jerry and Steven listening and be like, yeah. we're doing this. Yeah. No, we, no, let's, let's do this. This is, we're, we're going this direction. Yeah. 100%. Well, Nicobe Dean. Nicobe Dean will stand out on their board the same way Michael Parsons st- stood out on their board. Here, let me give you a better you hypothetical. Know? I love these. We'll go and say Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator the year before. He was the guy that got hired right away. It, there was no Mike Nolan. Let's say he comes into the draft room and it was like, um, let's not take CeeDee Lamb. If you can give me Caleb on Chase on, I can turn this defense around. I don't, no. I, man. I don't know if they wouldn't listen to him. I'm being serious. Well, maybe, it was well, Quinn, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they, maybe they do. But that's Mike another. In there. I'm just saying it's for not, the respect they have for him. If he, I know, I'm not saying that he's the, the type of guy that wants to even do anything like that. But I'm just saying I think they would listen. Well, yeah, I think it, I, I think the players have to be uh, closer on the board. Though. Yeah, I think because again, they would they had CD Lamb graded higher than yeah. Caleb on Chase by quite a bit. He would have been. That's the, uh, that's the only thing. It's like how far is that guy graded above that guy? Let's um. Let's get a McCarthy cut in here. Let's do that. Uh, what do you got? I've got him, t- uh, I guess, talking about, uh, let's get, we got to get KT Sean Payton. Let's do the Payton. Talk about yeah. pizza. What is wrong with you? I'll just say this about, you know, the, the narrative. I, I don't think it's a, I mean, it's a narrative I don't want to be a part of. Um, but you are. I don't think anybody want to be a part of it on, on either side of the fence. You know, fairness to Sean, he's being asked the questions, but, you know, nothing good comes out of that. Um, so, well, uh, but I think you do need to understand um, that I, I get to spend a lot of time with Jerry, you know, both as the owner and as the GM. So um, in our conversations, you know, when we talk about the partnership between a head coach and a GM, you know, those are the conversations him and I have. So the strength of the partnership, what's in front of us, you know, short term plan, long term plan. Obviously, we got some big decisions here to make with our roster, all those things. So, I mean, he, he addressed it. Um you know, we laughed about it and moved on, and that's re- that's really 
where where it is. Um, so I think it's you know it something for you know externals to you know conversate about. Uh, but you know I, I don't see it as any type of um, topic or anything that gets in the way of winning. And, and you know so any of these narratives that you do need to, to speak on, I, I think you know that's where I draw the line. I mean, he says it's not good for him. I mean, he said it's not good for good anyone. Com- he said not nothing good comes from it. No, yeah. no, it, it's it's fine for Sean Payton. <laughs> like, it's say, it's not Ch- good Ch- for Gunner you. Might lead to a head coaching job for Sean Payton. Well, I don't see why both can't be true. Why Jerry can't have a great relationship with Mike McCarthy, and also want Sean Payton to be the next guy at the same time. Like I think it like, is true. Like like why he somehow has to hate Mike McCarthy for Sean Payton to like be the next in line if things don't work out and like keep both doors open. No, but I mean from, you got to look at it also. Okay. So that's from Jerry's perspective, but from Mike McCarthy's perspective, he's looking at this like, okay, I've had two years now to build this the way I want to. Like, I don't want to constantly be thinking about that. Okay. This is it. Like everything has to go right. What if there's a bunch of injuries? What if the team doesn't, you know, have the same max out or or play as well as they're supposed to. So I'm not going to get a fourth year because Sean Payton's here and, so a lot of people are like, yes, this is the NFL. This is the Cowboys. This is how it works or whatever. But I'm saying if you look at it from Mike it's McCarthy's standpoint, you'd be like, come on, man. Like, I signed a five-year deal. Like, you're not even going to give me a fourth year? You know? So, I mean, I can just – I can see it from his perspective, too, why this obviously sucks. But I, I find it hard to believe that he truthfully didn't think, like, stuff like this was going to happen when he took the Dallas Cowboys head coaching job. Yeah, he knew. You know, I think he, I think he was surprised that he got <laughs> in the first place. You know, like, oh, Okay. And then, but maybe not. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong with that. All right. Uh, I do. I do actually. I do like that he's going to be more involved in the offense. Uh, again, I think John brought up a good point earlier. I mean, look, this guy's a football lifer. He's been around a long time. Uh, and even though the failures on offense is what got them beat, and, and really what really caused him to lose his job in Green Bay, is just not really adjusting quick enough to run the offense. Well, you're not asking him to do that though. You're just asking him for input. And I'm sure he had gave input along the way, but if he's going to do a little more of that, I see nothing wrong with that. You know why? Because the offense is what got you beat the back half of the season. When your offense went to crap, that's what got you beat. And that is not the way this thing was supposed to go last year. So that's where I'm kind of like, you know, even thinking ahead to the draft going, man, what can we do out there on the offensive line? Get that Kenyon Green guy from Texas A&M. That's kind of fun. A guy can play guard and tackle because we don't know what we're going to do with those positions yet. And we know we can't trust our offensive tackles to go a full season, most likely. Um, specifically, Tyree. But you know, I kind of I think there's a lot there that can that can help. And I do think you know the, the news with Dak having surgery on his non-throwing soldier, uh, shoulder. Um, I think that while obviously it sucks anytime a guy's hurt, I do like that Dak is not having a full off season worried about rehabbing, 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 and now he's going to be thinking about. You know, some of those little things in the offense. Okay, real quick, real quick. I know you got to go. Okay, but when you bring that up, though, aren't there, isn't there a little bit of concern? You go four straight years, starts every single game. One of his greatest strengths people talk about is his durability. Year five, he has the ankle injury, gets two surgeries on that, then goes to training camp, uh, has the shoulder strain, then middle of, well, week six, strains his calf, misses a game, and now there's this left shoulder thing. I mean, this is all in, what, 16 months? Yeah. No, it's a I lot know, of different think, injuries, man. Yeah, 
Hey, hey, oh, hey, real quick. And then McCarthy, when he's asked about it, he's like, you know, specifics. Like, did this bother him during the season or whatever? He's like, no, you know, just kind of, you know, irritated him, you know, the way you sleep or whatever. And I'm thinking about, like, nobody pushes sleep number more, yeah. more than yeah. Dak. I was like, why oh. is this guy having an irritated sleep? I was like, where is this coming from? <laughs> and here's the other thing. Like, did he suffer it on, like, some type of a run? Like, he ran yeah. last year less than I feel like I think he's probably ever ran in his life of playing football. So it's like, I, there's just a part of me I'm kind of like, well, this is a third surgery that he's having now in 16 months and fourth different injury. Like another, another question mark, another, like, is he going to be hesitant? Right. Know, Dude. Just, uh, yeah. I mean, left he, shoulder, obviously you'd rather have that than a lot of other I mean, things. When you're, yeah. KT, I got he's one. Got a lot, well, real quick. Let me say this. Yeah. He's got, he's got a ton of carries under his belt from Mississippi state too. There yeah, are times absolutely. They used him like a running back. Absolutely. So, man, it's a little nerve wracking. Uh, KT, I got one question for you before we, Mm-hmm. We get out of here. Uh, the combine question of the week. More overrated by sports media members. Bruce Springsteen or St. Elmo's cocktail sauce? That comes courtesy of our Head of the Pack podcast. You know what? Uh, I'll tell you that it's... Oh, I went to St. Elmo's once. I'll say Bruce Springsteen because oh I do think... Oh, my God. I do I think the world think does o- that. overrate you, Bruce. You think... St. Elmo's cocktail sauce is better than Bruce Springsteen. That is. Well, I've, yeah, I don't really remember the St. Elmo's cocktail sauce though. That, again, just one time for oh, me. But it's still better than Bruce. Bruce I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Dave Matthews diehard would say such a thing. Wow, no, I'm just I did kidding. not expect the the uh, not the love for the boss. Yeah, Come on, there's just on the edge of town. KT, no? I'm okay with that. I thought Nebraska was a good album, you know. But you know, no. Oh, little, oh little people Jason overrated. Him. Born to run. I always think of Garrett now when I think of Springsteen. I yeah, hear, hear that for sure. Runs runs that fun. goon walking around. <laughs> glory days! It's glory days, boys. Oh, that is rough, right there. Glory days is a rough one. Oh, yeah, gosh. Saint Elmo cocktail sauce, <laughs> very good. But just order it online. You don't have to. Yeah, come in. We'll ship it to you. I think Wish both could here, be overrated. Wish I wish I was here. there too. We could go cause a lot of problems in that town. We could. We could hit up the slippery noodle. And uh, maybe hit a White Castle. You know how we do. We get crazy. See if you guys can find some players for me out there because, yeah. All right. I'm not on the the draft show this this year either. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, appreciate it, man. And um, we'll let you know if uh, Gary talks. We'll be back for an emergency, I guess. All right. Y'all be safe.